Years ago, I was listening to a radio program. Actually, Reader and I were on our way to a little church I preached at in college in Chelsea, Oklahoma. And I'll never forget, the, the, we were listening to a radio program, and a guy, and I believe his name was John and his wife, Patty Peterson, they were talking about their family, and in particular, talking about their son, their, their oldest son has Down syndrome. Uh, and, and his nickname was Moose. Uh, obviously he was a big guy and, and, uh, they were talking about all the lessons that God had taught them through their son Moose. The, the lessons of, of grace and forgiveness and care and, and said it wasn't a burden to have him. It was a blessing that God taught them so much. And they told this one particular story that really stood out that I've always remembered. They said their son Moose was participating in the Special Olympics. Um, and he was getting ready to run a race. He was going to run the 100-yard dash. And Moose, even though he was fairly large, was pretty fast, and he was, he was pretty sure that he was going to win. In fact, he was excited about running the race because he was confident that he was going to win. And so as the race got ready to start, the family uh, went down about halfway, about 50 yards down the track, and stood alongside the fence so they could yell for and cheer for Moose as the race started. And sure enough, it started the gun the starter's uh, pistol sounded, and they took off, and Moose put his chin back, his head back, and, and, and right off the bat, he was out in front. And the further they went, the, the bigger the lead got. And as he approached them at about 50 yards, about halfway through the race, he already had like a 10 or 15-yard uh, uh, advantage on the nearest runner. And, and as he came up to them, they were all yelling, Go, Moose! Way to go, Moose! And, and as he ran by, he heard them, and he, and Peterson said, he veered off the track and went over to the side of the fence, like, you know, waving, like, so excited to see him. And, and they're, they're yelling, back on the track, Moose. And so it took him a while, and he's like, oh, yeah. But in the interim, that little detour, a couple runners had passed him. So Moose got going again. He saw those guys, and he, he, he was going to catch them. And after just a few steps, he caught the guy in second place and was gaining on the guy in first place when the guy that was in first tripped and fell. Hit the, hit the ground in a, in a heap. Peterson says, uh, Peterson says that my first thought, he said, I, said, I feel bad to say this, my first thought was, yes. Now Moose is in first place and he's going to win the race. As a dad, that's a, oh yeah, he's going to win. Uh, but he said as Moose went by him, he glanced down and saw this guy in a heap on the track and he stopped and went back to help him up. In, in the process, a couple other runners passed him by, and, and, and as he got this guy off the, off the track and back standing up again, the, the guy that, that was in first place ran across the finish line, and he had won the race. Peterson says it was distinct. There were three groups there. He said there was me. I, I was the one excited that a guy had fallen down so my son could win the race. He said there was the, the poor kid that had fallen that was that, that was bruised and, and bleeding from his knees and bleeding from his, the palms of his hand where he'd hit the track. And then he said there was my son, Moose, who cared less about winning the race, which before had been important to him, and instead cared more about a fellow competitor that was hurting. The text we're going to look at this morning is from Mark chapter three, uh, Mark chapter 2, excuse me, the first 12 verses. And in this text, we're going to see three distinct groups, three uh, sets of people. It, it's, it's really like there's three different scenes in this story. You'll notice them as we, we read the text here. Three different scenes as we go through. Jesus 
Jesus interacts with each three. They're, they're each one are, are different, and they come to Jesus from different ways. And one of the questions that will come up as we read this text, or it should come up as you read this text, one of the questions is, which one am I? Because they're, they're going to be distinct. You're going to see them, and we'll point them out through the, the text. Which one am I? Where do I fit in? Or, or, or possibly more than one of these groups. You, uh, you, you might look at, 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 as I do and hope that I'm in the first group. I hope that, that I'm identified with group number one. I, I, I hope when the sermon's over, if I ask you, when you're leaving the church, if I ask you, hey, which group do you think I belong to? I hope that you say, Tim, you're most definitely in group number one. In fact, if I ask you that, would you just throw me a bone and say, yeah, Tim, you're in group number one. Or, or if you want to just say, hey, Tim, you're number one, that's fine too. I mean, however you want to say it. Uh, but I, I really want to be identified as being in this first group. But here's the cool thing. Here's the, the exciting thing about this text. The reality is no matter which one you find yourself in, you can choose to be in that first one. So, so let's, look, uh, let's look at the text. I, I think you're going to see these three groups uh, kind of come out very quickly as we read the text. Uh, Mark chapter 2, the first 12 verses. A few days later, uh, now that's referring back, we talked two weeks ago uh, from Mark chapter 1, the last few verses about Jesus healing the leper. Uh, so, so that's what it's in reference to. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, Capernaum was a, a town on the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. Uh, Jesus had been there at least once before. He had healed some people. Uh, people were amazed by his teaching, and they said he taught like like someone who had authority. Uh, so again, entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come home. So many gathered, uh, so many gathered there that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carrying carried by four of them. Since they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, lowered the mat, uh, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was laying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he had, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there. They were also there in the house, thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? <clears throat> but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. They, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like that. Here, Here is the the first group. This is the group I want to be in. The heroes. The heroes. The passage says that four <clears throat> four guys brought this paralytic to Jesus. Who were they? They could have been family. It could have been four brothers or a couple brothers and a couple cousins that, that took him. Maybe it was friends. Maybe it was four of his closest friends. Possibly these five had, had grown up together. They had played together. They had gone to the synagogue together. They had learned together and Maybe they had all four grown up. Capernaum was, Capernaum was a, 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 a fishing city, so maybe they had grown up and learned how to fish together. Maybe they, their first job was on a fishing boat together. And who knows what had happened to those guys. Maybe he had been injured on the job. Maybe he had jumped out of the, 
the boat and, and hit his head on a rock and, and become paralyzed. Who knows what had happened, but maybe it was four friends or possibly it was just four guys from the, from the synagogue. They were synagogue, four, four brothers, uh, in, in the church, four brothers in, in the Lord that took him there. But, but they brought him to Jesus. Remember we mentioned from two weeks ago the, the story of the leper when, when Jesus killed the leper, he gave him a stern warning and he said, don't tell anyone that I've done this. He said, go instead, show yourself the priest, offer the sacrifices. But the guy instead went and told everyone, which is naturally what we would do. Went and told everyone about it, so much so that Jesus couldn't be seen around. He had to go out into lonely places. So now, a few days later, he comes back to Capernaum. Maybe that's where the leper had been healed. Uh, if not, it would have been close, and they had heard about it. But he came back to Capernaum, and they heard that Jesus was back in town. And when they heard that Jesus had returned, they knew they had to do something. So, so they got together, they grabbed their, their friend on the mat, and they went to see Jesus. Their, their excitement as they approached the place where Jesus was must have been palatable. Uh, the, their, their smiles must have been on, on all their faces. They, they might have already been making celebration plans because because they were taking him to Jesus. They knew he was going to be healed, or they were confident of that. Maybe they were already beginning to make plans of, of how they were going to celebrate. We were going to run in the streets again. Maybe they were going to go out to the Sea of Galilee so this guy could once again jump into the Sea of Galilee and swim. I don't know what it was, but, but they were thrilled until they turned the corner and they saw the house where Jesus was to be teaching, where they'd heard that he was at, and then their excitement melted away and their smiles faded from their faces because what they saw shocked them see in the time it took them to get organized and go grab their friend and run to the house everyone else had heard about jesus too and so when they saw the house the the house was was chock full of people so much so that it was out through the doorway out into the street and and when they saw all these people probably some of the people standing out there there might have been some guys leaning against crutches Maybe there were some women, some moms that were holding their, their, their lifeless bodies of their babies. And maybe there were people there that, 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 uh, whose hearts were broken and, uh, and, and struggling. Either way they saw it, they, their hopes were dashed. Before they had come running and now they were walking slow. Before, before as they carried their friend, his weight was un, unnoticed. But now their arms began to ache as they carried this mat. But remember, they were heroes. I think their dejection only lasted for a short period because one of them, I don't know who it was. It might have been one of the four. Maybe it was the dude on the mat. One of them said this, the roof. The roof. And, and probably the, all, the other four did like, yes, the roof. And so, so as houses in that day would have built, they would have had an outside staircase that would have gone up to the roof so it would have made it easier to repair the roof because their roofs were one that every spring and fall they would need to kind of patch back up again. And, and so they headed over to the, the staircase and, and up on the, the roof. Now here's the first thing that we notice about these heroes. We see it in verses 4 and 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, read along with me. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and began digging through it lowering the mat the paralyzed man was laying on when Jesus saw their faith he said the paralytic son your 
your sins are forgiven. Here's the first thing we see or notice about these heroes. Their faith was seen. I, I want to be known as a hero. You know, my desire, my desire for you, my desire for our church is that we are seen as heroes. They're, the four friends could have, could have looked at him as they set him down in the street before they realized they could go through the They, they might have looked at him and said, sorry, Frank, maybe next time. Maybe next, and maybe they would have said to him, you know what, we're just going to leave you laying here, and maybe Jesus will come out later on, and maybe you'll get lucky. We, we've got stuff to do. We'll come back in a few hours and, and pick you up if nothing happens. They could have said, well, you know, we tried, but not this time. But they were so convinced, they were so convinced that Jesus could make a change in this guy's life. They were so convinced that if they could just get him to Jesus, he would be forever changed. Do you have do you have that kind of passion? Do you have that kind of faith? That kind of belief that if we could just get to Jesus. If if we could just get a friend to Jesus. If if we could just get our our burden and our situation or or someone else's burden or if we could just get them to Jesus, boy they'd find healing. My friend Mike Richards uh, does. Mike, when he was a sophomore in uh, high school, his church took a, a mission trip to, to India. Uh, while he was there, uh, he, he witnessed first and the the, the 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 tremendous physical need in that country. Uh, they worked with some some clinics, and he saw people that were suffering physically, that were in great need of, of simple operations and simple medicines, and and that touched his heart. He also saw the great spiritual need that was there, and 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 while he was there, God just placed on his heart this burden that he could make a difference. So so he he decided then, and God placed on his heart that he was going to do that. He enrolled uh, later or two years later in Ozark Christian College, and. And, and studied for five years. Then he went back to his home state of Michigan and enrolled in medical school, became a doctor, and went back to India. So now his hands are literally healing the physical needs of those people, and his heart is offering them spiritual health as well. Jesus, it, it says there, saw their faith. But their faith wasn't just seen. Their faith... And here's, here's why it was seen. Their, their faith, faith was sacrificial. Now, now imagine the scene. Jesus is in this house. Now, it probably was small, maybe, maybe a half the size of this auditorium. It, it wasn't a big house. The, the, the ceilings were probably low. They're probably only six or seven foot tall. And it was probably dark, a little bit dingy in there. And, and it's crammed full, but everyone is listening to Jesus. All the people crammed in, all the people in the doorway, they're hanging on everywhere because it said in chapter 1, he, when he spoke, he spoke with authority. They, they hadn't heard anything like this. So he's hanging on every word of Jesus when they hear this noise. I imagine a couple of them, they're, they're listening to Jesus, they peek up like, no, no, I'm a, i got to concentrate. And, and pretty soon they start to see some mud fall down. Um, and, and literally it says that they, the hole was right above Jesus, so uh, so it, some of them might have hit Jesus as he's talking. And then some straw starts to filter down. And then all of a sudden, a beam of, of sunlight crashes through the ceiling right down on Jesus. Now, what I imagine is that it illuminated Jesus right in the middle. That would have been cool. But, but, but a hole appears, 
And then someone's head sticks down through that hole, looks around, pops back up, and now eight hands and eight arms reach down. And this is literally what they would have done. They would have ripped back the roof because it had to be big enough to get this whole mat. So, so they ripped an opening about so big. And then it says they lowered him down. Now, I don't know why I had this vision in my mind. I've read this passage for years, and I've always had this mental picture of them lowering him with ropes. Kind of like the lifeboats in Titanic, you know, and they're, you know, one guy's, you know, go, go, you know, look, well, hold up, Bob, you're a little too low. Let Fred catch up to you. They're, I always had that vision that that's how they lowered him. A couple problems there. They wouldn't have come with ropes. They thought they were going to walk in and just set him in front of Jesus. So they didn't have ropes. You know what they literally did? They leaned through the hole. All four guys on each corner. They leaned through the hole with the mat. So imagine the scene. This guy, this guy appears in the hole, and then four four heads, four sets of shoulders, four sets of torsos lean through the hole. And I doubt that they were able to get him all the way to the floor. So so I imagine they're hanging through. They probably had, had, had stuck their toes in the roof, trying to hold on so they didn't crash through and fall on top of you. And they're about a foot or two off the floor was this guy on the mat with four guys on either side. I don't know, did they kind of look over at Jesus, a little help here? Or, you know, anyone want to set him down? Do we drop him? I, hey, if we drop him, he can heal him, right? So, you know, but uh, slowly everyone looked back from, from what was going on there and probably looked a little bit at Jesus. What's going to happen? These guys were, these guys were heroes. They were willing to sacrifice whatever it took. Now, one commentator, one commentator made this comment, said it was no big deal that these guys ripped the roof off. That's yeah, not a big deal. It's just small. You know, the, the roof was just straw and mud and some sticks. No big deal. And I'll agree, it's not like if someone did that to your roof. I mean, you're, you're home eating lunch today and you hear a chainsaw start. Mm, someone cuts through and, and then, you know, we lower... You know, we take someone, I'll put pick on a, let's get four or five guys, let's do that. We'll put pick on a mat just to, you know, make this sermon really hit home and, and we'll lower pick down. Yeah, you guys wouldn't be happy if we cut through your roof. So it wasn't as big a deal, but I, I got to believe there was a guy standing over there in the corner like, someone's going to fix my roof. <laughs> Someone is responsible. The reality is these heroes didn't care. When God calls us, when God calls us to acts of faith, He almost always requires us to sacrifice. Do you ever stop and think about that? When, when God calls you to step out, it's never easy. It's never simple. You know, God's never called me to step out in faith on the beach. Come on, Tim, go, go lay on the beach and have a good time and be my witness. <laughs> Now, I've never done that. You know, Tim, you really need to go to the theater and sit and watch a movie. That would be an act of faith. No. When God calls us to step out on faith, it almost always requires a sacrifice. Our time, our money, our, our, our self. We, we have to make that sacrifice. One of the boldest and most dramatic decisions in World War II uh, was made by an ab- admiral. Uh, his name was Mark Mitcher. It was in the Battle of the, Flip, uh, the Philippine uh, Sea. It was late in the afternoon on June 20th, 1944, when, when Michener sent a group of bombers to, to, uh, to chase after uh, the, the Japan fleet that was fleeing. 
the, the, the pilots all headed back to the ship, but by the time they got there, it was after dark, and they were having a hard time finding the carrier. Because of wartime conditions, they were, uh, the rules said not to turn the lights on the ship. They, the pilots just had to find it on their own. But obviously it was a dark night and they couldn't. So Michener decided on his own to turn the lights on. One of the pilots said, it said it was like New Year's Eve. It was like 4th of July. It was like, it was like the greatest thing you've ever seen when the lights of that carrier came on and we could see it for two hours. Planes landed on that ship. Eighty of them couldn't quite make it back to the ship and crashed in the ocean, but they were to save them. Mitchell became a hero that day. Why? Because he was willing to take a risk. He was willing to sacrifice. There's one last thing. This isn't in, in your, your notes. There's one last thing. Let me just touch on it very quickly. Is that their faith led to salvation. Their faith led to salvation. The end goal of stepping out on faith always is salvation. Now, now the men that brought this, this, this paralytic to Jesus, that's not why they brought him. They brought him to be healed. But the reality was his greatest need was salvation. That's why Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. We, we often find that when we step out on faith, that the end goal, the, the real purpose is that someone's going to know Jesus or someone's faith is going to be encouraged. Let me illustrate it this way. This, uh, later this summer, we're, we're going to have a group here from, uh, from Troy go to Mexico. Um, and, and, uh, we'd love to, for you to be a part of that. We're going to build a, a house. We're going to, uh, deliver food to, to dozens of families. We're, we're going to feed a church and community, uh, a meal one night. We're going to have a chance just to kind of connect with people and love on kids. And, and, and that's, that's, that's kind of the, the goal that we're looking at, but that really is not the real goal. Our real goal is that we want to lead them to salvation. See, see, we're going to build a house, but, but the reality is that house is going to be a witness to salvation. We're going to feed people, but the reality is that that witness is going to going to lead to salvation. Uh, in, in 2009, we built a house for a lady, and her name was Aestolia. And at the end of the week, we were, were there at the house as we dedicated it and handed her her keys, and she began to talk, and, 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 and she made this comment to, to the group. She said, Gloria a Dios, glory to God, and and she continued to talk. In fact, Aestolia gave me this picture later that, that day. Uh, I, I keep it in my office, except for this morning. It says, Los cielos, and my Spanish is not very good, cuenten la, la gloria de Dios y el firmino uh, uncia la obra de sus manos. Someone knows Spanish better can correct me. The heavens declare the glory of God, and his firmament announces the works of his hands. So I keep this in my office so I can always remember Aestolia in her words that day. Because I remember her saying, I, I don't have any money. I can't pay you. I can't pay you for the house. But thank you. Thank you because you reminded me that God still loves me. You've reminded me that God knows who I am. Their, their faith ultimately, and when we step out on faith, ultimately leads to salvation. I, I, I want to be in that first group. I want to be, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to go quickly. This is our longest point. Uh, I want to be in that first group. I want to be a hero. And as much as I want to be in the first group, 
I definitely don't want to be in the second group. See, the first group's heroes. The second group is the headstrong. If you have your Bibles, look look at verses uh, uh, 6 through 8. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, this this guy just got dropped through the roof. These, these friends of his, these brothers, whatever they were, showed great faith in, in getting him to Jesus. And Jesus said, brother, your sins are forgiven. And, and, and there's some religious leaders. They're thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in their spirit, uh, knew in his spirit what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these, these things? Jesus knew their hearts. Some commentators suggest that that the reason this guy was a paralytic was related to some sin in his life. And we don't know that for sure. But but there was something in his past, not that every injury, I'm not, I'm not saying every bad thing that happens to you is, is a sign of sin, but, but in this case, he was a paralytic, whatever that meant, because of a sin in his life. Maybe no one knew that. The, the four guys that took him, to Jesus didn't had no idea of that. Maybe the only one in the room that did was he and Jesus. They're the only ones that knew. But, but when Jesus saw him and looked in his eyes and looked into his soul, the one thing the guy needed more than the ability to walk again, the one thing he needed more than health was to have his heart fixed. And so the one thing he really needed was for Jesus to say, your sins are forgiven. Maybe his greatest need was to let go of the guilt and regret that was crippling him. See, he realized that the condition of his body paled in comparison to the condition of his soul's his soul. And what he really needed to hear from Jesus was simply, "Your sins, your sins are forgiven." I think by the time this scene ended, everyone in the room recognized that something major had happened. I think the way this guy responded when Jesus said, "Your sins are forgiven." I bet there were tears on this guy's eyes coming down his cheeks. Man, the relief that came across his face. I think everyone in the room saw that moment except for the religious leaders. Now, they had every right to worry about theology. Yeah, they're correct. The only one who can forgive sins is God. But they were so, so intent on standing up for what they thought was right, that they missed the obvious. They missed the fact that Jesus was in the room. They missed the fact that God was there. They weren't sensitive to what was really happening. He knew their hearts. And let me just let me just throw this out and we'll move on to our last point. Uh, he knows our hearts. It's easy for us sometimes to miss and not be sensitive to the fact that God is working in in others' lives, in the life of the church. It, it's easy for us to stand back in judgment like these guys and miss the whole point. And I, I would say to us, and, and I can say it to you because I've said it to myself first. I, I don't preach any sermon that I don't preach to myself first. That, that possibly what Jesus is saying here is, hey, I know your heart too. And if you're here this morning and you're thinking, yeah, boy, there's someone that needs to hear that, then, then probably we're really talking to you here. Because I know that's how I applied it. He knows our hearts as well. Let me let me uh, let me move on to this last point. Here's the third group. Uh, I, I want to be I want to be part of the heroes. That's the group I want to be. I don't want to be this headstrong. 
But, but I am most definitely in the last group as well. It's the helpless. Uh, it's the guy laying on the mat that everyone saw him as physically crippled, but the real truth was he was spiritually lame. Because that's why Jesus healed the first knee. See, he healed, first of all, the, the hidden knee, the hidden need in his life. He touched him where he really needed to be touched. And that was with forgiveness. See this guy lay on the mat. He was was crippled spiritually. He was a mess. Just like I am. See, he healed the hidden need and then he healed the health need. To prove that he had the power to forgive sins, then... He said, pick up your mat and walk out of here. And he did. (laughs) Kyle Sample is uh, the founder of an organization called Physicians Aiding Physicians Abroad. It's a group of doctors, uh, and and his ministry sends doctors to third world countries all over the world to to help other doctors in those countries. Kyle was on his uh, on one of the trips, and he was there with his daughter Heather in Zimbabwe. They they were working on patients, and they had a break during the day. and And Kyle and his daughter Heather sat down for lunch. When his daughter Heather noticed that he had a cut on his hand, a small wound, and so she asked him about it. She said, Dad, Dad, what happened to your hand? And and the and and his answer sent chills down her spine, and she immediately lost her appetite. He said, Well, I. Uh, I cut it during surgery this morning. Did, did I mention the patients they were working on in Zimbabwe were AIDS patients? Their greatest fear. She said immediately, Dad, you've got to start antiviral drugs. Dad, you've got to start it. And, and Kyle said that he knew he should, but he didn't want to because he knew the side effects of taking the drugs. Sometimes the side effects themselves could kill you. They were life-threatening. But she insisted, and he finally consented to do it. Within hours of starting the regimen of the drugs, he grew violently ill. And, and he got sicker and sicker. And, and ten days later, they finally got aboard a plane. And she didn't even know if he would make it home. She she had with her a stethoscope and a and a vial of epinephrine. And, and her thought was, as they got on the plane, is, how if his heart stops, how am I going to get him in the aisle so that I can give him heart compressions? But but after a, a while on the plane, a couple hours into the flight, he began to rally a little bit and fell asleep. And and she took the opportunity to climb over him and go to the back of the plane into one of the the restrooms and said she sat down on the floor of that restroom and and cried and prayed and said the prayer that she was praying over and over again is God, I need help. God, I need help. And said she kind of lost track of time, was there probably longer than she realized because there was a tap on the door. And when she opened the door, kind of gathered herself, opened the door, there were four guys standing there. And, and, and they concerned looks on their face and said, Ma'am, are you okay? She says, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm a doctor. When she said that, their faces lit up. And the four responded, So are we. And they went on to say, not only us, but there's 96 others. We're, we're a group of 100 doctors that have been on a mission trip here in Africa, and we're flying home together. She told him the story of, of what was going on with their dad, and, 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 and they, one by one, took, 
took time to help the dad. One of the guys was an infectious disease specialist, and, and he sat by her dad through the rest of the flight so she could get some rest. When, when the whole ordeal was over, someone talked to Kyle, and they asked him about this story, and he, he made this comment. First of all, he, he, he recovered, and, the, and he didn't get AIDS. And, and, and they asked him about this story, and he said, you know what, three different times I've been flying on, on flights, and a stewardess has come over the intercom and said, is there a doctor on board? And all three times, I've been the only physician. He said, said, I just feel so blessed that when I was serving the Lord and I had a need, when there was a need for a doctor, God blessed me 100 times over with 100 doctors on board. God calls us. God calls us to be heroes. The truth is, the reality is, we're, we all are in need. And that's the good news. He knows our need. We, we come to him like this paralytic on a mat and, and we have a need in our heart. Maybe no one else knows it. Maybe no one else sees it. They're not aware that it's there, but, but the reality is it is. And Jesus says to us, your sins are forgiven. But he has to have someone that will carry them to Jesus. God calls you to be a hero. God calls you to step out on faith. God calls you to sacrifice for him. Will you this week be a hero? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be in your house, to lift uh, our, our praise to you. Father, to be encouraged together, but Father, also just to be aware of what you've called us to. Father, you've called us to be, to, to be different, to make a difference. You've called us to be heroes. Lord, I, I want to be known, I want to be seen as, as one of those four. I, I want to be a hero uh, for you. Father, give me the faith to step out sacrificially. Father, I want this church, my desire, my prayer, my hope is that this church can be heroes. Father, give us the faith to step out sacrificially and believe so much that you can make a difference that we bring people to you. Father, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you're here this morning and you need to know the power of of the Lord in your life. If you need, if you need to know His forgiveness and His strength, I would invite you to come. He, he knows where you're at. He knows your need. And when He sees you, He simply wants to say, Son, your sins are forgiven.